Our sponsor today is Green Ronin Publishing. Green Ronin is a Seattle-based company dedicated to the art of great role-playing games. Since the year 2000, Green Ronin has established a reputation for quality and innovation that is second to none. If you're looking for exciting fantasy, look no further than Fantasy Age, where your heroic stunting can create the difference between a cinematic battle and a mundane encounter. Have a need to strap on a cape and fight the forces of evil? They do mutants and masterminds. Also available, the Expanse role-playing game based upon the hit book series. Green Ronin Publishing creates role-playing games, card games, and fiction for the very best in role-playing games and to forge your own path. Choose Green Ronin Publishing and become your own master. Find them at greenronin.com on all social media at Green Ronin Pub and wherever role-playing games are sold. And now, be sure to log in to GreenRoninStore.com. Using our affiliation code of GKHERO, you can save 5% off your total purchase of over 100 fantastic items, including role-playing games, card games, fiction, and much, much more. At GreenRoninStore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to start your journey today. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination, this is Game Night Heroes. We toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await, and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello, and welcome back to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. We are a group of five friends playing actual tabletop role-playing games, and we are doing so by telling a collaborative story that will be determined by dice rolling. We are continuing our adventures in Green Ronin Publishing's Freeport campaign setting, which is always a great time. If I can have my fellow players remind everybody who you are, what we're about. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. I'm going to be playing Victor tonight. And I'm Colleen. I play Iridanza every night. I'm Aaron, and I play Arden uh, every third night. Um, sometimes I try to play Victor but Rob also plays Victor, so it's super awkward. It's a lot of editing the guy to get done. <laughs> and I'm Brittany, and I'm playing Nisha. <laughs> These things are true. I am Kevin, and I am the host and the Dungeon Master. And being the Dungeon Master, that means that I get to play as everyone and everything else. So, let us dive back into Freeport, the city of adventure. Previously on Game Night Heroes. Having faced the trials necessary to locate the missing Brother Egil and his companion Lucius the Librarian on behalf of the Temple of Knowledge, our heroes fought their way valiantly through the Arkham shipping lanes and into the heart of the evil that lie there. Iridanza has drawn to the end of her quest to discover the artifact needed to potentially save her people from the clutches of the serpent people. But foul magics and a revelation that the Temple of Knowledge is the true target of the Brotherhood of the Unspeakable One's plans may put the entire quest into jeopardy. Our heroes have defeated the enemies before them, but greater enemies lie closer still. Our heroes dance on the verge of death and defeat and their final throws to the Temple of Knowledge may either save or damn the Brothers' faith itself. Our tale now resumes. In the lower level of the Arkham shipping lanes, a green, noxious fume rushes out over the two figures there. Iridanza, you fumble with the chest for a moment before throwing it down to the ground to attempt to grab Passalor 
and remove him from the area to bring him to safety. If you could, please make a strength or athletics check for me. 16. Okay. So you hook both of your hands underneath Passalor's arms and start trying to drag him out of there. As mentioned before, Passalor is a very largely built man. He is almost six foot four and could easily weigh close to 300 pounds. He's very hard to drag, but you are managing to do so. The noxious fumes around you continue to spread in the chamber around the outside of the vault. They wash over the bodies of the two guardsmen that you and Passlor dealt with, and you can see that the fumes actually begin to cloy and cling about their forms. You can see that there is a strange tingling, and part of their skin starts to melt and sizzle, almost as if the fog is a little bit more dangerous than just a fume. The air around you, as the fog starts to catch up to where Passlor's feet are, it starts to have a little bit of a smell that starts to assail your senses. What do you want to do? Keep dragging him away from the fumes. Absolutely. If you could please make another strength check for me, or athletics test. That is a 23. Oh, wow. So you really grit in, and you definitely continue to pull him along. You drag him just outside of the range of the fumes, and they eventually stop moving. They don't spread any further out in your direction almost as if they are unnaturally stopping for some strange reason you're not sure of. But you do manage to get Passlor out of the area. You look back to see that the chest is still within the fumes, however. You know that within the chest is the artifact that you were sent to find on behalf of your father, and you know that the item within could mean all the difference in the war between yourself and the Serpent people. So what do you wish to do? I'm going to... Ponder my thoughts for a moment and wait for my party to reconvene, hopefully here. Okay. You stand there for a moment, crouched over Passlor's unconscious form. You can tell that he is breathing, so he's not dead, luckily. But he definitely looks like he is worse for wear. You look back over the fumes and you watch as they start to spread up the walls. Above, in the chamber, Victor, you stand in front of Egil, his battered and bruised form. He looks up at you and he goes, The the temple. I overheard that they're going to cause the fall of the Temple of Knowledge tonight. You have to stop them, Victor. Please. We will. Let's get you out of here first, though. And I'll start trying to help him up and help Lucius, too. Okay. You help Egil up to his feet. He's rather unsteady, and his knees almost seem like they want to buckle under his weight. He's a pretty thinly built guy, but even so, he feels like he is heavier to you. Almost complete dead weight, but you do start to drag him out of there. Nisha, you look over and you see that Lucius is still tied up to a torture rack of some sort. His back is a bloody mess of lash marks from the cat of nine tails one of the assailants had used upon him. He looks like he is barely conscious, but he does look up and he meets his eyes with yours. And he gets a strange look in his face, one that seems to be a mixture of horror and revulsion. And he starts to try to pull away from you and get off of the rack, but he can't because he's strapped down. He says, No, not you too. No, the eyes, they watch us here. Please, leave me be. I told them all that I knew. Please, leave me be. You can tell that although he's yelling, he's not very loud. He's got a very soft-spoken voice. Well, I'll say to him, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I'm going to help set you free. And I'll uh, generally start going for like his bounds and try to get them unbound from him. Okay. Go ahead and make a dexterity check for me, please. 17. Fantastic. You move forward and you do manage to start untying his bounds. And he does have a few leather straps and actually a set of manacles that are fastened underneath the rack that are holding him in place. I'll pull out my thieves tools. If you could, please give me a dexterity check using your proficiency bonus. Uh, Well, it's a natural 20. So the total is 27. Absolutely. Wow. So Nisha... You crouch down in front of the lock, and in practically just a flick of your wrist, you open it. 
it would seem this lock is not meant to keep any sort of people out. Yes, you've broken out of manacles a few times before, so practiced <laughs> you are. Arden, you turn away from the two that are helping the brother and the librarian, and you start to make your way downstairs. At the bottom of it, you do find Iridanza. She's crouched over the form of Passalor. Iridanza, you hear him coming down the stairs, and your head jerks up, not quite expecting what's going on. But you quickly recognize your small friend. Arden, what do you do? Well, because I'm giant now, <laughs> I am going to go and be like, Oh, Iridanza, do you need help? Yes, I don't know if he's dying, and the chest I need is in some magical fog over there. Oh, no. Let me see if I can go in there. Yeah, I'm going to run to the fog room. All right. Iridanza, as Arden passes you, you notice that he is easily twice the height he once was. He's taller than Victor. He's probably close to Passlor's height, in fact. And you can see that his clothing is ripped and torn, mainly about his chest, his legs. And you can see that his joints have green scales about them, almost as if they are made out of serpent skin. He runs into the fog towards the chest that you pointed at. Arden, as you move into the fog, if you could, please make a constitution saving throw. All right. I got 17. 17. Excellent. As you go through the fog, you can feel something stinging your skin, burning across your outer form. You can feel the scales are tingling, especially maybe because they're newer skin. You're not quite sure. But whatever it is that is within this cloud that is burning and sizzling at your outer skin, you manage to stave it off for now. You take 17 points of acid damage. Oh. And you're not incapacitated, but it just stings a little bit. You make your way up to the chest, and you look down at it. Based on the description that you were given, it is the chest you guys came for. All right, I'm going to grab it and start trying to drag it out. Okay. If you could, just make a strength check for me, please. And that's nine. Nine? You grab onto the chest, and you start dragging it out. It is a lot heavier than you were anticipating. It's a chest that's not any bigger than any typical treasure chest that you guys have come across, but for some reason, it feels like it is extremely heavy. But you drag it out towards the edge of the cloud to where Iridanza is still. What do you guys wish to do? Quickly, we have to get with the group. How are we going to move Passalor? Oh, crap. We got to leave the chest. Open the chest. We need what's in it. Oh, that's a good idea, too. Yeah, I try to open the chest. You look down at the chest, and you can't actually find a hinge or a crack where a lid would be. It seems to be all one solid piece. And in fact, now that you look at it, you don't even see a keyhole or a locking mechanism. You're not entirely sure how you would open this chest. I would like to cast Chill Touch on it. All right. Looks like a seven. Well, it looks like that's a natural one. You're a halfling. You can reroll that. Yep, I'm going to. That's another natural one. Wow. Arden, for some reason, fate has conspired against you in this moment. This chest is just something that you're not able to get open. You'll have to either take it with you or leave it. Can you drag him? Iridanza, you are very strong. You are trained as a warrior amongst your people, and you are stronger than most typical sea elves would be because of that. But you know that carrying Passalor in his completely unconscious dead weight form all the way back up the flight of stairs would be pretty difficult. Arden, do you have any healing magics? Oh, I don't actually. I usually just eat food and call it a day. What are we going to do? I hate to say it, but we might have to come back for the chest. Iridanza, when Arden says to you that you'll have to leave the chest behind to truly get Passlor out of here, you know that it's something that you're not willing to part with. You know that you've come a long way and faced many dangers. Your life has been fraught with peril at many turns to try to secure this chest and what is within. If it is, in fact, what Gavin says it is, you need it. Leaving it behind is just not an option at this point. You know you're going to need help, though, getting it out of there. 
the psychic whispers that Nisha had casted earlier, I would like to use that to call to Nisha and Victor. I need help. Hasselor is unconscious. I can't move him by myself. Upstairs, Victor, you and Nisha are pulling Lucius off of the table, and he is incoherently muttering something about the eyes are watching, the eyes watch us. He just says this over and over and over again. Nisha, he does not try to pull away from you any more than he was doing, but he seems to be a lot less lucid than he was before. And you guys hear Erdanza's words in your minds. What do you wish to do? Victor, do you want to go and try and help her, or do you want me to go? I can go. Can you handle these two? Yeah, I got them. All right. In the meantime, what are you guys doing? I guess just trying to get Passler a little closer to the stairs. Okay. So the two of you working together, try to drag Passler up out of the area to get him to safer ground. If one of you could please roll a strength or an athletics test at advantage, because you guys are working together to try to move him. Who's going to roll that? I am. Um... <laughs> he got a 14 either way. Okay. The two of you manage to get Passor over to the base of the stairs, and right when you get there, you see Victor, and Victor, you attempt to aid them to get Passor out of there. And with the three of you, it is pretty rough going, getting him up the stairs, but you do manage to do it. Nisha, Egil looks to you and says, I don't have very much healing left, but I can heal some of his wounds. If, if you would allow me to have just a moment... Absolutely, whatever you can do to help him. He moves over to Lucius, and you see he closes his eyes and focuses for a moment, and he says some words under his breath. The bright white light that emerges out of his palms and passes out over onto Lucius's back, where he gingerly places them. And you can see that some of the lash marks seal shut, and a few of the other ones look as though they typically would after a few days of natural healing. It's not enough to fully restore Lucius, but you manage to pull him out of the room more in a walking rather than dragging capacity. You get out to the hallway where your friends are. You see that Passlor is definitely injured. You can see his eyes flutter for a moment as if he's trying to awaken, but is just unable to at this moment. What happened to him? This cloud of fumes or gas just appeared when we opened the door, knocked him down. Oh boy, we better get him to a healer or something. We can aid him back at the temple, but we'll have to hurry. And Egil, you can see, now looks out down towards the end of the L-shaped hallway that you guys came down to get to him. He's looking out into the area of decimation due to the bloody vengeance being wrecked into this front of the Arkham shipping lanes. His eyes go wide. With the commotion that was caused out there... The city guard will be here in no time. If we wish to escape, we better do it now. I'll help with Passalor. Arden and I will help with Passalor also. Okay. Oh, I just wish I could have gotten that chest. I need it. Victor, you look to Iridanza, and you see the pain in her face, the frustration. You know what exactly it is that she might be losing here. You also know that... The secrets that you hold within yourself, the powers that the trinket amplifies, may never have an end. They may just consume you before you're able to figure out what exactly the Hexblade does and how you can control it. You look to Iridanza. Perhaps it is for the best that the sword doesn't have impair. Perhaps it is for the best the chest be left behind. Who knows what more pain it could cause if it is found. It's too important. We need to get it. Well, why don't you get Passler out of here? I'll get the chest. I can do it. You see, Iridanza, a look in his eyes. One that you've never truly seen before. You know Victor is a man who is determined, focused, and actually quite intrepid behind his boyish ways. In his eyes, however, you see something new at this moment. This is a man who is a leader. 
This is a man who could stand in courts and lead other men to wars simply by the power of his inspiration. This is a man that you know you can potentially trust the future of your people with. Your eyes dart to the sword at his side and the trinket already affixed there. And you know that you're the woman who could perhaps guide him down the rest of his path. But for now, you have to trust him. Okay. All right. Victor, you turn with one last smile towards your companions and race back down towards the doorway. Iridanza and Nisha, if you both could please give me a perception check. Oh, 11. Okay. Nine. Nisha, you do a quick look around and you see that there is a cart off to the side that would probably be used to help load things off and on of the ships that come into the Arkham shipping lanes. Yes. Let's use that cart over there to to bring him out if we can. You guys go to work getting him all situated in that. Victor, when you get to the base of the stairs, you see that green cloying cloud of foggy smoke that Iridanza was talking about. And you see the chest is fortunately been dragged out of it and is at the base of the stairs. Uh, I'm going to run down and grab it as quick as I can to get out of there. Okay. If you could, please go ahead and make a strength check for me. Or athletics if you have proficiency in that. I do. Uh, Ten. You rush down the stairs, and you get to where the chest is, and you reach forward, and you grab it, and you start to pull it, and it is, just as Arden said, it's extremely heavy. It is quite possibly one of the heaviest things you've tried to move. You don't think you can get it up the stairs by yourself. Victor, you look at the chest, and you feel a strange feeling course throughout your form. You feel a warming sensation in your stomach. You feel your hand instinctively going to your stomach, you look down and you can see that where your hand is against your stomach, that there is actual light streaming out between your fingers through your clothing. Uh, pretty sure that's not supposed to happen. I start moving the clothes to try to look. You unbutton your vest quickly and you pull your shirt up. You can see that the area in your stomach where you stabbed yourself, running yourself through last night in order to save Nisha's life, there is a gash about four inches long through the center of your stomach, glowing a bright, vibrant, icy blue. As you notice this, you see that the hilt where your trinket is attached, that strange Ouroboros, two intertwined snakes, begin to glow with the same bright, icy blue color. I'm just going to stab the chest with the sword, try to break it open. You reach for it and you draw forth your longsword. You see that the sword's blade begins to pulsate with that same icy blue light. You swing it down towards the chest. And right as the sword connects with the surface, you see there is a flash of the icy blue light. You watch as some of the decoration on the chest, some sort of strange, almost looks like vines wrapped around sections of it, begin to peel and melt back away. The chest then begins to have a cracking and a sizzling sound upon it, and you actually watch as a lid forms across it. Nice. All right, I'll I'll try to open it. You reach down and you open up the chest. And within, there's a small gem about an inch in diameter. It's round, almost like a polished gem would be found inside of an amulet or a necklace. It glows with a bright, icy blue light that matches the color of the sword. Nice. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to put it against the hilt. See if it, like, fits. You reach down into the chest, and you grab a hold of the gem. Victor, if you please could make a wisdom saving throw at disadvantage. Oh, boy. Ten. That's not terrible. As you touch the gem... Suddenly, there is a strange sound around you, the way that sound cuts out when you're plunged beneath water. And you look around, and you find yourself no longer in the basement of the Arkham Shipping Lanes warehouse. All around you 
is an abyss, black as far as the eye can see. And within that darkness, something shifts and moves about the dark. Who goes there? In the darkness, Victor, a voice comes out to you. And you hear it not through your ears, but rather through your soul. Suddenly in front of you, a large, bewildering serpent's eye snaps open. A bright, vibrant, almost blinding yellow light piercing out of it, bathing you in its warmth. The voice says again, You No, thank you. I'm going to keep it. Victor, if you could, please make a constitution saving throw. Oh, damn. Disadvantage? Normal? Just normal. Okay. Oh, yay. 17. 17. You feel in that area where you ran yourself through with your sword a piercing pain, almost as if the sword is being stabbed through you anew. It wrenches up through your form and slams out through your back. The feeling starts to pull and tear and spread. It feels as though your entire body is being pulled apart, stretching outward in all directions. But somehow you maintain yourself. We we will will have it back. back, back, back. You can have it when I'm dead. Please make another constitution saving throw. Oh, man. Five. Five. Victor, the pulling and the tearing at your body grows to a feverish pitch. Your entire form feels like it's being pulled apart. You feel your skin begin to bubble and burn and shred. In the darkness around you, the unholy, bright, yellow light burns away your skin, your muscle, your bone, your everything. Blows away into the darkness. You find yourself being pulled away in ways that you think are not possible. You collapse on the floor of the basement of the Arkham shipping lanes. The now empty chest in front of you. You have taken... 13 points of psychic damage. Ouch. Okay. You're just on your hands and knees back in the Arkham Shipping Lane's basement, that green, foggy cloud just inches away from you on the other side of the chest. The chest in front of you is empty. That small gem is gone. Oh, I gotta get out of here. Your head reels. It almost feels like your head is split wide open. You look down, and the glowing in your stomach is gone, as is the gash that you noticed a moment ago. Your sword is no longer glowing. I'll just grab my sword and run. You reach down to the ground where the sword is clattered next to you, and you draw it up, and you slide it back into the scabbard as you run up the stairs. Upstairs, Arden, you just finished putting Passlore into the cart and begin to make your way out of the Arkham shipping lanes. When you see Victor come bounding through the door, he looks deathly white pale. His hair is damp and matted to the side of his face. He looks almost as if he has been running a mile. For a brief moment, you see something else move through the air behind him. A strange form that seems to watch over him as he makes his way back towards you all. Victor, you look like you saw a ghost. More or less, I did. That's not scary. We don't really have a whole lot of time for this. We've got to get to the temple. I have a bad feeling about what's happening. If we don't stop them now, things could get a lot worse than just the temple being destroyed. Here, Donson, you step forward and you see that he does not have the chest with him. 
Where's the chest? So I'm going to look down at my sword. The item, did it attach to the sword, or is it nowhere to be found? Nope, your sword looks exactly the same as before. We don't really have a whole lot of time for this. I, we've got to get to the temple. So you guys grab onto the cart, and you make your way out of the Arkham shipping lanes. As you get outside, you can see that the night is cool for the late summer night that it is. And you guys begin to make your way across the city towards the Temple of Knowledge, hoping that you are not too late. So you guys arrive at the Temple of Knowledge. As you come up to the outside, you stop at that fountain that's just in front of it, that is the center of the Temple District. You can see that the doors to the Temple of Knowledge are now closed. You can hear from within... There seems to be sounds of muffled screaming and yelling. It would seem the attack is already underway. You do notice as you approach, however, that there are two individuals just outside the front entryway doors, clad in a drab brown uniform with a red stripe across the one lapel. You would recognize these men to be city guardsmen. The Sea Lord's guards, in fact. So, what do you guys do? Have they seen us? They do not appear to have seen you guys yet. Let's stealthily try and move around them. Good idea. Yep. As far as you guys are aware, there is only one entranceway in and out of the Temple of Knowledge, and they are standing in front of it. Hmm. Well, crap. I'll walk right up with full intention of just going right through the door. Okay. As you begin to march your way towards the front entryway door, you see that one of them, and then both of them notice you, one of them steps forward, as if to intercept you. Hold there, citizen. This temple is closed. You're not allowed to enter here. Knowledge is closed to nobody. Let me through. I'm afraid we can't do that, the other man says, and he draws a sword off of his side. Disperse now, or we'll deal with you. You sure you want to do that? With his sword, he attacks at you, Victor. Twelve. It's going to miss you. He takes the scimitar and he swipes it up towards you, Victor, but your sword is out in a flash, knocking it aside. The other guardsman's eyes go wide. He is quite surprised to see that you are fighting, and he begins to reach for his weapon, but it starts to fumble with it. What does everybody else do? I'm going to start running towards the fight. Okay. I'm going to pull out my blade and throw it at the dude that Victor is attacking. Go and roll and attack roll for me, please. Ooh, an 11. Nisha, you focus your mind blade, and its pink energy coalesces around your right hand. You use the momentum of your running as you're trying to catch up to Victor, and you throw the blade. It does go wide, however, and disappears into the night. Arden, you run up as well, and Iridanza, you come up behind the three of them, pressing the advantage into the fight. Stabby stab with the spear. And I say 26 to hit. You got it. If you could, please roll your damage. 13 damage. Iridanza, as you run forward, you grab forward the spear, you twirl it up into your hand, and using a reverse style that you're used to from the courts back home, you stab through the man's shoulder, bear him up off of his feet, and he dies before he hits the ground. The other guardsman takes a look at Victor, as Victor, you ready your attack. 16 to hit. A 16 will hit. That will be 10 points of damage. And as his sword goes wide, you use the momentum to slice across his abdomen and doubles him over, and he falls to the ground. These men are dealt with. Within, you hear what sounds like sounds of battle are continuing to grow. I want to kick in the door. Okay. Victor, you go to move up to the door as Arden, because he's much bigger now, passes by you. And Arden, if you could, please make a dexterity check for me. All right. Oop, a seven. Okay. And he tries to slow his momentum, but he's not quite used to this big form that he has right now. So he actually trips and he slams into the front doors of the Temple of Knowledge, and they go flying open as he stumbles within. Arden, as you go within the Temple of Knowledge, you barely manage to stay on your feet as you come up into the front entryway, and you look up to see what exactly is going on within as you look up, the first thing you notice is that the entire interior atrium is bathed in darkness. The light of learning that is always lit, dimly at night and brighter during the day, 
is completely out. Magical motes of energy are flying about. Spells are being cast here by spellcasters who are quite practiced in their use. You do see as well that directly in front of you, two brothers lie in a pool of blood. Looking up, directly in front of that large lantern where the light of learning would be, suddenly there is a flash of light, and you see that eight brothers are on their knees in a semicircle around it. Standing directly behind them is a figure in a long black cloak that is briefly illuminated by the light. Around the brothers with this individual, several serpent people and other cloaked figures, cultists perhaps, engaged in a dark ritual. All four of you notice that in the air, floating in the center, where the light of learning would be, a large yellow sigil, a three-pronged symbol, almost as if they are tentacles of some sort of strange sea creature around a focused center circle, pulsates and ripples. From behind you, you all hear Egil, No! We're too late! And with that, let's have everybody roll initiative. Uh-oh. Oh, yay! What initiative! Uh, natural one, baby. I got a four. Nat one giving you a four. Oh, no. Yeah. Seventeen. Eighteen. I got sixteen there. So with that being said... With the hiss, the cloaked figure standing in front of the semicircle of brothers from the Temple of Knowledge yells out, Bring me the High Priest! And you watch that off from the side where his office is, suddenly Theron is dragged out by two hooded figures, cultists that seem to be of lesser degree. They start to drag him toward the semicircle, and he walks rather dignified as if he is willing to face his fate. You can see that there are several brothers throughout the interior of the atrium being captured and assaulted by the servant people. As you are aware, the brothers of the Temple of Knowledge are a generally pacifistic group, so they are not fighting. Iridanza, despite the commotion of Arden barreling through the front entryway, it would seem that these cultists are too wrapped up in what they're doing to have noticed you right away. However, you do see movement out of the corner of your eye as a figure slinks out of the darkness near the front door. A serpent person, a spear in hand. I'm going to cast a hunter's mark mm-hmm. on this guy closest to me, and I'm going to run up and stab him. Okay, so 21 to hit. Yes, it does. That is going to be 10 total points of damage. All right. You rush forward to the serpent person, one of these ancient enemies of your people. You take the spear and you swing it up into a wide arc and you slice down into his shoulder, cleaving through some of his tattered rags that he's wearing for clothing and slice into his shoulder. He does not drop, however. He hisses at you in anger. Nisha. I am going to move up beside Iridanza, and I'm also going to attack with a 25 to hit. Absolutely. And that is 16 damage. As you move forward, Nisha, that psychic blade reappears in your hand, and you jump up In a flying lunge, you stab into the serpent person's face and rake down through his mouth. His tongue flies off into the atrium as he collapses in a pile in front of Iridanza. You land on the ground next to him. Uh, Okay, then I'm going to attack with my other psychic blade. That's a natural 20, so 27 to hit. Oh yeah. So 10 damage for that. Alrighty. As you land, you spring up off of the ground and you surge forward towards another serpent person who you see is standing over one of the brothers. He snaps his head back and with it comes a trail of gore as he rips out the brother's throat with his teeth. He turns to see your psychic blade bury itself in his neck. It drives him backwards and slams him onto the ground onto his back and you land on top of him. You rip the psychic blade free as it dissipates into the air. Arden, if you could... Please make a wisdom saving throw. Wisdom saving throw? A 19. 19. Arden, you feel that unnatural presence that you have felt several times before now. You felt it first in that room in the temple where you guys saved Lucius, in a dark pit that tried to drag you into the abyss. You also felt it 
on the island of Twick, just outside of the lighthouse, as a strange creature tried to summon you. You feel it again here, and it's emanating from up near the yellow sign. But you stave off its effects. What would you like to do? Uh, so I'm going to start moving forward. And the lead cultist in front of the brothers. Yep. I'm going to hit him with a chaos bolt at 120 foot range. Yeah, he's about 100 feet away. All right, does a, oop, that's a 10. You gesture, you draw forth the chaos bolt, your tried and true method of attacking foes, and you fling it forward. It streaks off, and it dissipates in the air just short of him. You do see, however, he suddenly stops at whatever chanting he was doing and pointing towards Theron, and he slowly turns his head to look over his shoulder. He is quite aware that you are there now. Arden, since you did cast a spell, if you please could make a wild magic surge check for me. Alright. And that's a six. Okay. You feel your limbs begin to tingle. It almost feels like it did when you grew. You can see that some of your form deflates a little bit, like you're starting to shift back to your regular size. But nothing else seems to happen. Oop, that's embarrassing. Egil looks to you, Victor. I just can't stand by idly why this happens. I might not be able to help you very much, Victor. But I stand with you. He gives you a nod of determination, and he starts to step forward into the room. He doesn't have a weapon or anything. You're not really sure what he's going to do. But as he steps into the room, he steps up a couple of paces past Iridanza towards the front reception desk where Norton is typically found. And you watch as the young brother moves over to the desk. And when he gets to the top of it, he gestures and he holds his right hand up above his head. And a small beaded bracelet that he has on his wrist begins to glow with a bright, vibrant light that cuts through the darkness. Let the light of knowledge shine here! Brothers, we will be saved this night! However, all of the serpent people are now drawn to the light. And you see, now that part of the room in here is illuminated, that there are at least a dozen serpent people in the center, beginning to make their way towards all of you now. So, one of them surges forward, closing the distance between himself and Egil, and several others come out of the shadows towards all of you all. And then it is going to be Victor's turn. I am going to surge forward past the desk where Egil was. Well said, Egil. I'm going to cast Healing Word on myself because I am down some hit points. So I will heal five points. Okay. And then I am going to cast my Cantrip Eldritch Blast at the serpent person that started to close the distance towards Egil to try to protect him. Perfect. That's a 20 to hit. Okay. So, Victor, as you surge forward, you draw the sword again, and you move past Egil, and you do say your words of encouragement to him. You feel the healing aura wash over your form, and you feel slightly rejuvenated. Then you turn the sword, and you swipe it down through the air as the Eldritch Blast streaks out of it straight towards the serpent person. Hits him square in the chest. If you please, could roll your damage. He will take three points of force damage. As it hits him, it ripples and pulsates across his form. Different motes of icy blue energy ripple off of him like smoke, burning his skin and singeing part of him. He stumbles down to his knees for a brief moment before trying to regain his footing. He snarls and hisses at you. He definitely did not like that. And at that, the lead cultist slowly turns away from the ritual that they were performing. They throw back their hood, revealing their full serpent person form, and they say, Enough of this! Are you aware you cannot stop what has been set into motion? We will rule Freeport, and take it back for our own. It has been foreseen. You! He puts a hand up, pointing straight at Theron will be the first to die. And then he turns back to whatever it was he was doing. Kill him, degenerates! And you see those two cultists with Theron continuing to lead him towards where the other brothers are, kneeling down upon the ground. That strange yellow sigil burns in the air. 
There is an acrid stench that begins to fill the air around all of you. Iridanza, there's no way you're going to let these people complete whatever ritual this is. What do you do? Because my last serpent I casted Hunter's Mark on fell, I am able to move my Hunter's Mark onto another creature. There is one kind of past Arden that I'm going to move it to. Yep. And I'm just going to run up to him and stab him with my spear. All right. So I'm going to run up to him, attack him, and that is a nine to hit. Okay. You swipe forward. He takes his spear and he deflects yours out of the way. That's it for my turn. Okay. Nisha, you are on top of the other serpent person. He begins to struggle beneath you, trying to force his way back up to his feet and trying to throw you off of him. He hisses and snaps at you. I will attack him with my psychic blade. Oh, yeah. You will roll with advantage because you are on top of him. <laughs> so, 16, because my second one was an 8. <laughs> okay, yep, the 16's fine, yeah. So the 16 does hit. Got it. Sneak attack. All right, 15 damage. Okay. You manifest another psychic blade, and you bring it straight down to the serpent man's chest, and he quivers for a moment before hissing and snarling at you again, and in his death throes, it is quite bloody and messy. I will move over to where Iridanza is. Okay. Next to her, and I'm going to stab with my other psychic blade. Okay. With a 19 to hit. That'll hit him, too. And 10 total damage. You move past Iridanza, and you take the psychic blade, and you ram it into this serpent person's abdomen and draw up towards his sternum, and he drops. Arden, you feel your form starting to shrink back down slightly. What would you like to do? Uh, I'm going to proceed forward again. And now that I'm closer to the same head honcho, I'm going to shoot at him another spell. Tasha's Mind Whip. That's a DC 14. Okay, let's see. So he will make an intelligence save? Yes. 19. Oop, all right. So he is just going to take half. And he does not suffer any of the other effects. So he'll take six damage. Okay. Arden, you move forward and you draw forth and you ride out the chaotic magics that are flowing through you right now. And you use it to manipulate the forces of chance that go throughout the chamber. You can feel your aim is guided and true. Your spell is stronger than it should be as you manipulate these energies. However, as you feel the mind whip slash out towards this creature, you feel that it does not take root as it should. He staves off its effects. He does take a little bit of residual damage. It does not have the desired effect that you wanted. Serpent people continue to move about the chamber. Several move in towards Nisha and Iridanza, surrounding and flanking them in their attacks. Oh boy. Alright, so. One of them comes in straight towards you, Iridanza, his spear leading the way. He slices up towards your face, and you try to sidestep and dodge out of the way. Does a 15 hit you? A 15 does hit me. The spear connects directly where your eyebrow is, and he slices up across your forehead. You take four points of piercing damage. As he hits you, he also tries to lunge out at you as you stagger for a moment, not expecting such a powerful strike that almost blinded you, and he bites out at you. With a 10, he misses. But you recoil faster than he was anticipating, and his teeth snap onto empty air. Another one that came up behind you, however, he leads with the bite, and he comes in with a natural 20 with a 25. Awesome. You take seven points of piercing damage. And if you could, please make a constitution saving throw. That is a 15. Okay. As his bite wrenches down onto your shoulder, you feel painful, acidic burn through your shoulder, and you can feel your head swim for a moment. You don't drop, however. The one that comes in towards you, Nisha, he swings at you with a spear with a 17. That hits. You take 11 points of piercing damage as the spear stabs into your shoulder and wrenches down. Your entire left arm goes numb. He must have severed something in your shoulder, because you can't feel it or use it at all. Oh dear. He then tries to bite out at you with a 10. Miss. He snaps out at you, and you instinctively duck beneath it with a bob and a weave, and he snaps through the open air, and you come up on the other side of him, ready for more. Victor, there is one that surges towards you and Egil. 
and it uses that momentum to attack you with a 19. That'll hit. Okay. You are going to take six points of piercing damage as his spear stabs into your collarbone just below where your throat is. He also then tries to bite you, but he misses you with a natural one for six total. So these guys can't bite for anything, apparently. But Victor, it is your turn. What would you like to do? I'm going to use my Blade Flourish, an 18 to hit the one that came forward and hit me in the collarbone. Absolutely. It definitely will. All right. So with that, I'm going to be using the Defensive Flourish. He's going to take a total of 11 points of damage. Okay. And then I'm going to get a plus one to my AC. Absolutely. Using your defensive maneuvers that you have from your swashbuckling style of combat, you take the longsword and you slice up through his arm, and you almost sever it at the forearm, and then you reverse the grip, and there is a quick flash of that icy blue light that springs around you for a brief moment. As it's happening, I'd like to move in front of Egil, and I want to call out, I have what you seek! Come and get me, you scale bags! As I flash the trinket, try to taunt them. You raise your sword up above your head and you yell that out, and all of the serpent people's eyes, from whatever they were doing, suddenly stop and dart in your direction. You've definitely got their attention now, Victor. The head cultist stands there, patiently waiting, almost savoring the moment as his two men drag Theron forward. The two cultists bring Theron up into the center of the brothers kneeling upon the ground, and when they put him in the center... Theron continues to stare at the head cultist, completely unfazed and unmoving. This man is quite determined. As he draws closer to the sigil, however, there was a strange ripple across his form, almost as if something is trying to change him somehow. It doesn't bode well. And as he gets into the center of the crouched brothers, the head cultist pulls out a serrated serpentine dagger from somewhere within the folds of his robe. He smiles wickedly at Theron as their eyes meet, and he takes the blade and slices the throat of the nearest brother, who then falls dead to the ground. The blood moves up into the air and is drawn into the blade. The sigil begins to grow brighter. Iridanza, on the other side, you are completely surrounded by serpent men. What do you do? I'm going to move my hunter's mark from the last serpent that Nisha killed onto the one that bit me. Absolutely. And I'm going to stab him with my spear, or at least attempt to. Okay. You feel that divine connection that you have with the way of the hunter, and you pull it off of the dead serpent onto the one that you're fighting. That would be a 10 to hit. You swipe the spear, and it does manage to get barely deflected by the serpent man with his movement. Nisha, you come up into a battle stance on the other side of the serpent person. So you said that my left arm is injured and I can't really feel anything in it. Right. Okay, so then I'm going to attack this dude in front of me that hurt me badly. Oh, with a 10 to hit. <laughs> Unfortunately, a 10 will not do it. You draw forth the psychic blade, it manifests and it swipes across towards his face. He recoils backwards with the way that those snakes often do, and you swipe through the open air. Then I will try again. Yeah, so if you could, typically your psychic blade will manifest in your offhand. However, your left arm is pretty much rent useless at this point. If you could, make a wisdom check for me. Fourteen. Okay. You feel the connection of the mind blade that is supposed to appear on that other hand, and you focus more than you probably should be able to with your chaotic mind state right now of the thrill of the battle. And you manifest that blade in your main hand again. Awesome. So then I'm going to attack him with a 26 to hit. A 26, unlike a 10, will hit. <laughs> and that'll do seven psychic damage. Right. The mind blade appears in your main hand and you swipe it back in a backhand motion and you slice across his temple. And then we're going to move over back by this desk. Move back towards the front reception desk, back towards Egil and Victor. Yes, because I'm a little hurt. Okay. 
you do make your way back over in that direction. Arden, you feel your form dissipate back down into your normal halfling size. Your three-foot-tall form is back to normal at this point. It is your turn, however. What would you like to do? All right. I'm going to continue the run forward. And I'm going to try Tasha's Mind Whip again at the head honcho. Hopefully this works this time. So same thing, DC 14, Intelligence. He rolls 16. Ooh, okay, so half a 13, he'll just take 6. Okay. You feel the Mind Whip lash out towards him again, and like before, you can feel it connecting with his form, but it's not taking hold the way that you would suspect that it would. If you could, please make a Wild Magic Surge check for me. Oh, it's a one. That means we have a wild magic go off. What did you roll? A 91. 91. Okay. Good to know. Arden, you feel your body tingle for a moment. That seems to be the only effect that you seem to have notice happen. Huh. All right. So that's my turn. Okay. Ejil continues to stand on the desk, and he yells, Brothers! Resist this! He seems to be yelling towards the brothers in the semicircle up near Thuron. We must help our high priest! We must help each other! The light of knowledge will get us through this night! And with that, the serpent people continue to move in towards all of you. Three surge forward towards you, Arden. And another one comes at those of you near the front entryway desk. And Arden, three surge forward towards you. They all three come at you with snapping jaws and spears leading the way. Oh, no. One of them with a spear comes at you with an 18 to hit. Oof, yep, that's a hit. The other two, they split around you and each flank you, one on either side of you, as that third one begins to come straight at you from the front. As the one hits you with an 18, the one that moves to your other side hits you with a 19. Oof, oof. And the one who comes straight at you gets a natural 20 for a 25. Uh-oh. You are going to take, from the one on your right, 9 points of piercing damage. From the one on your left, 5 points of piercing damage. And from the one directly in front of you that got the natural 20 and the critical hit, 18 points of piercing damage. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I'm at... Negative eight. Oof. Okay. No. As these three serpent creatures move up towards you and they surround you, the one stabs you with the spear. It pins you to the ground. Another one takes his spear and runs it straight through your chest. And that third one who comes forward takes a spear and he runs it through your chest as well. The rest of the party, you watch as Arden, surrounded by these three, falls limp, impaled on their three spears. They all three rip the spears out, and he falls into a bloody crumple on the ground between all three of them. You can tell from the way he falls that this is not something he's getting back up from. But no. There's a brief moment where time seems to slow as the three of you watch as your halfling companion falls, quite clearly dead, to the floor of the atrium. No, 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 he can't be dead. No! Thank you for listening to the Game Night Heroes. The tale continues another time. This was Freeport, Episode 19, The Serpent Strikes. Please subscribe and give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes. Please be sure to follow us for updates and for new information. We can also be found at GameNightHeroes.com. The Game Night Heroes is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Victor Reed is played by Rob Alexander. Irodanzo Orame is played by Colleen Alexander. Arden Langalar is played by Aaron Regner. Nisha Lycoania is played by Brittany Stone. 
The Freeport Trilogy was created and published by Chris Premus and Green Ronin Publishing. Logo design and podcast cover art for the Game Night Heroes was created by Josh K. Music is from various artists and appears from Pixabay. Please feel free to message us at Game Night Heroes Contact at Gmail. We'd love to hear from you. This has been a presentation of the Game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dreams. Did you like what you just heard? Well, if so, you can also journey into the realm of Freeport by visiting GreenRoninStore.com. There, you can find all of your Freeport needs and all of the different adventures, supplements, and rule sets that you'll need to vanquish the forces of the Far Realm in a pirate town once gone legit. Form your own adventures at GreenRoninStore.com. Use our affiliation code GKHERO to save on your purchase. Thanks for listening.